Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. WTIC. By the thing, by the boom. It's the Todd Feinberg Show. I think you need to listen to the voice of reason. reason. We're always streaming on the Odyssey app. It's WTIC News Talk 1080. Thank you, Todd, and God bless America. It's the Todd Feinberg Show right now. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Later. Noon. And what is happening with you? What's the biggest story in your mind? It's just exploding big stories. This is like July 4th. Fireworks at the beach. And they keep, uh, they're teasing the finale, you know? You know when you think it's the finale, but it's not yet? That's what it feels like right now. The stories are just popping. And they're all, they're all extremely relevant in the larger scheme of things, which is understanding just how detached from the people's interest politics is. When you listen to what they're doing, when you watch what they're doing, like the, the focus on this George Santos stuff. So he lies better than the other politicians. And the other politicians apparently are angry that he's gotten away with such lies. And they've had to work so hard to make sure they're just doing little lies here and there. Also, the president of the United States, who worked so hard to make sure that Donald Trump would be ruined by the fact that he kept top-secret documents laying around Mar-a-Lago. Top-secret documents. They're, they're precious secrets of the United States government, they would have us believe. And I love this story because I think it reveals just how full of it they are on a regular basis. And we didn't have the proof until Joe Biden was busted for doing the same thing that Hillary Clinton did, that Uma did, that Sandy Berger did, that Donald Trump did. That is treat government documents like they are routine things in the possession of a high-ranking government official because... They are the government. I think that's why they loved that We Are the World song so much. You remember that song? What was that, 30 years ago? That's them. That's how they feel about the world. We are the world. Can't you just see Joe Biden singing that while he's shaving? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great story for understanding. Now, I don't know... Uh, I don't know exactly what's going on with uh, Santos. I don't know how to interpret it. It's got something to do with numbers. Listen to this Santos. Santos got cornered. He was going to the elevator today. And that's the, that's the best chance for reporters to catch somebody who doesn't want to be caught. Just for a second. They only get him for a second. And other times he was just not responding, which is what you do. You go to the elevator. You ignore them. Doors close. Media opportunity over. 
But this time he spoke. Congressman, what's your reaction to members of your own party Pardon? calling for your resignation? Are you planning to resign? So he steps in. They're yelling all these questions, and then he steps in the elevator, and the elevator door is shutting. And he says, If 142 people ask me to resign, he says, I will resign. All right, what does that mean? I think there's an explanation in this uh, report from The View, but I, I want you to hear the whole report. It's just fun. Right. Yeah. Well, you're having a better day than George Santos. I know. Because, you know, he's not having a great week this he's first not. week. You know, he's, he's, you know, just the days after being sworn in, even more of his... Embellishments? Embellishments. That's <laughs> there you go. ...are piling up, and Republicans in his district and beyond say it's kind of time for him to go. Take a look. Now, they don't bother telling us that when Republicans are saying it's time for Santos to go. These are Republicans from Long Island, his, which is where Santos is from. There are other Republicans who don't like the feeling of having a proven liar who's not any different from them so close to them. So they want to create distance to protect themselves from being blamed for George Santos. So they are pushing their arms out to create some distance. Hello. George Santos's campaign last year was a campaign of deceit, lies, and fabrication. He's I hear that comment, and I just think, tell us something new. Was a campaign of deceit, lies, and fabrication. He's disgraced the House of Representatives, and we do not consider him one of our Congress people. Our federal government has put us $32 trillion in debt, and they're worried about some guy who makes up his resume. George Santos's campaign last year was a campaign of deceit, lies, and fabrication. He's disgraced the House of Representatives, and we do not consider him one of our Congress people. I See, that doesn't seem like disgracing the House of Representatives to me. That seems like business as usual. Today, on behalf of the Nassau County Republican Committee, I am calling for his immediate resignation. He should re So in response to his lie, the Republicans in Nassau County are putting forth their own lie. That is that they care about him being a liar for any reason beyond their own political fortunes. Resignation. He should resign, but obviously he won't. I hope that every that he's got goes through the ringer here uh, he deserves due process but he needs to get out now so when i heard this stuff yesterday i did what i said to shattuck is true that's when i turned into a supporter it's like enough with them enough with them with all their fakery and all their posing their job is to tell us the truth why doesn't somebody tell us the truth why doesn't one of them stand up and say I find George Santos a little embarrassing because lying is such a big part of politics that him doing it so brazenly, so obviously, and so successfully is embarrassing for the rest of us. Why can't they just tell us the truth? Would we really not vote for them? I don't think that's the case. I think we would love it if somebody would, would just be honest. I mean, look what happened when Trump ran. Now... Well, you know, he's still saying, look, 
this is not what happened. I, I didn't do anything wrong. And just this morning, he told reporters the only way he's going to leave the house. Well, I'll let him tell you. Take a look. This is them playing the cut I, I just played for you where he says... No. Congressman, what's your reaction to members of your own party Pardon. calling for your resignation? Are you planning to resign? The voters ask for you to resign. Will you, you resign if the voters, if your voters you to call for you to resign? 42 people ask for me to resign. I'll resign. So he said of 142 people ask me to resign, I'll resign. So they listen to them struggle with what the answer to this is. What's the answer to the puzzle? <laughs> oh. Basically, he was saying, you know, if the, if <laughs> If the, the folks that uh, he's sitting with say he has to go, then he'll probably go. Yeah. Well, what, you know. I, I thought that, too. So Whoopi's the host of the show, but as soon as she says that, one of the co-hosts corrects her. He has to go, then he'll probably go. Yeah. Well, what, you know. I, I thought that, too, but uh, I just got a little legal note in my ear. You really need 290 out of the 435 representatives mm -hmm. to vote you out for you to go. Oh. What he was saying is if the 142,000 voters asked me to well, leave. Well, he missed oh, I didn't some hear zeros. Yeah. Yeah, I missed, he missed some zeros. Very so that's cool. Cool. Zero. Can that's, I say something? That's what he I, I'm a meant. friend of Robert Zimmerman who was running against right. him, so full disclosure. Yeah. Um, but Zimmerman... Um, did opposition research yes. quite a bit. Uh, it was all written up. These people are very disingenuous, these Republicans, because it was written up in a, in a local paper called the North Shore Leader. Yes. They were on top of this before the election. It's a very conservative paper, and they only endorse Republicans normally, and that paper did not endorse him. They said he was a pathological liar. Mm -hmm. So they let him in anyway, and now they're all saying, oh, no, he's bad for the party. Yeah, because he's making them look really bad now. So Republicans are disingenuous for not reporting, I guess stating publicly, that one of their fellow Republicans running in the same county, in the same part of New York on Long Island, they should have reported him for being a liar when the Democrats knew he was a liar. They're disingenuous. What does that make the Democrats for not having called him out on it when it was all in the newspaper? Stupid? Are they stupid? Why? Oh, man, it's just everybody's the same ballgame in this business. But this guy is not just a liar like a, a politician's lie. You know, they all lie a little bit. Yeah. But or a lot. This is beyond. All right, so they're, they're confessing that politicians are liars. Do you hear that little crack there? Uh, Joy says they, they all lie a little bit. They all lie a little bit. So why are you doing a segment on a politician who's a liar? Oh, he lies a lot. This is a revolutionary concept. Most people only lie a little bit. Lie, but listen to the correction. A bit. Yeah. But or a lot. Or a lot, one of the co-hosts says. Or a lot. They lie a lot. Yeah. Politicians lie a lot. 860 What's your take on this stuff? Also, Merrick Garland, special counsel, Joe Biden. What's your interpretation of this? 860 Rant line number 860-751-4698. I want your calls, please, because I want to play with this new phone system we have. And I want to talk to you on WTIC. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yeah. Oh, it's such an exciting business this business of how society operates. I wonder with artificial intelligence if we will have 
a new breed of politicians. If we can program robots to actually be honest politicians and to figure out what the best political option is. Imagine if you programmed artificial intelligence to be to believe in the American system of government and to think that liberty is is uh, is their most important pursuit and to understand the dynamics of liberty that big government and liberty are automatically on opposite ends of the spectrum. You can't have big government and have a free people because government wants all the power for itself. And we've seen that with America now over 240 years how the last hundred or so has been a straight line of plunderers like Ned Lamont and the people who run this state, the Republicans who fail to stand up for Republican values that, you know, the ones who aren't Rob Sampson or Gail Mastro Francesco or Kimberly Fiorello or the smattering of others who actually stand up for constitutional values. But there is such a big incentive to sell us out that even Republicans go along with the Democrats because they have so much power to sell us out in the state. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. But I do feel that we're getting to the bottom of some curve. I do feel that we are getting to a place where it's going to be inescapable, that we have to start moving in the opposite direction. There are good things happening in the state. There are small groups of conservatives getting together and starting groups, extra Republican Party groups, for one purpose or another to engage in local politics. This is what we need. We need active groups to go do their own thing. And the active group doing its own thing becomes a shadow organization for the failed state Republican Party. That shadow organization can only make good stuff happen. Because it will take power into its own hands that has not been claimed by the state Republican Party. And it will, it will incubate that power on a local level. For example, if you can infiltrate a committee in your town with a group of conservatives, we've seen this happening around the country, and in some cases in Connecticut it's, it's happened. Isn't that a great thing if people who believe in the American system of government can start defending the American system of government? if they can find a place for themselves on a school committee or what have you, and start simply stating the truth. I think stating the truth on a whatever, a town council or a board of ed or whatever it is. It could be the liquor commission or something. It's all good. If somebody will fall back to fundamental principles and explain those principles, so I feel like that's where we are now, and it's, it's a wonderful thing for us to uh, be bottoming out. I feel like we're bottoming out. I could be wrong. I've been wrong about most of the stuff I've predicted. But what I, what I do know is that we have to keep trying to find the spot. You don't always know where the crack in the wall is, where the weak spot is, because there's, um, you know, there's, we don't have the data to do all the political engineering that we need to do or the knowledge. But we do know that things collapse under their own weight eventually. It happens to everybody. And the plunder of the state of Connecticut, the robbing blind of the state of Connecticut, the abuse of the taxpayers in the state, the malfeasance inside of government, the cover-ups for that malfeasance, all of that has to reach critical mass at some point and collapse under its own weight. Democrats are now 
exacerbating their own risk of that happening by having absolutely no regard for what they do. They are willing to claim anything like equity. They just fabricate a word, use it as an excuse to divert resources from their rightful owners to uh, their favorite voters, and they claim some noble status in our twisted society. And this makes me feel like we're reaching some kind of bottom. That we will be able to turn things around because things must be turned around. And the, the, um, the politics is so duplicitous. It's just so duplicitous. It's hard to fathom how it could, they could be so dishonest. There, there was a story. I'm just looking for this story on, uh, on the governor and electricity and him making a claim about electricity. I don't know where I put it, though. Going through the pile here on the computer. But he's, he claims to be looking for a way to be uh, driving down the cost of electricity, which, of course, is ludicrous. This is like the... Um, the person who's funneling money out of the bank, you know, who's created the who's created the underground tunnels to be able to rob the bank every night. And he's responding to its diminishing assets on a daily basis. You know, the deposits keep going away and nobody knows where the money's gone. And he's the one funneling it out. And he's claiming to be looking for. Yeah, it's it is. It's like O.J. Simpson. I will not rest until I find the person who murdered my wife, he said. Remember O.J. saying that? This is like Governor Lamont saying that he wants to find a way to lower the cost of electricity. The Democrats' plan is to do everything they can to make it impossible to heat your homes and drive your cars. That's what they're doing. And if that sounds shocking to you, you're just not paying attention to the news. There isn't much news being reported, but they do report basic stories, and they do report Democrat stories, ones that Democrats are excited about. And Democrats are very excited about. Their new thing is that everything that is burning a fossil fuel has to be eliminated as quickly as possible. And everything has to be run by off of the electrical grid. Without regard for the fact that the electrical grid can't handle that kind of burden. It's been abandoned and neglected in terms of its infrastructure being adequate to handle what's going on right now. Forget about all the stuff they want to put on it. I mean, they're really, they're proposing endless, endless, endless. Am I ranting too much? Do I have time to play this then? I think I do. All right, listen to this. This is Joe Biden. Just for a little laugh before we go to news. Wait a sec, wait a sec. Push the button. All right, here we go. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to foot him a uh, foot. foot. <laughs> That's the president of the United States. What do you think about it? You want to hear it again? America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to foot him a uh, foot, foot. I didn't turn the tape around and play it backwards. That's the president of the United States trying to talk. Come on, man. 
Okay, okay. We'll get to a break. We'll get a news update. We'll talk more coming up on WTIC. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Why wait? Come on. Oh, come on. Why wait? You can rant right now at 860-751-4698 on the Todd Feinberg Show. WTIC, good afternoon to you. Thursday, another weekend fast approaching. Warm weather is here, especially tomorrow and uh, I think I think Saturday as well. It's going to be up in the mid-50s. Okay, it comes with some rain, but so what? So what? Joining us now, Kathy Flaherty from the Connecticut Legal Rights Project. She's a regular guest on Thursdays talking about her nonprofit that she's executive director of, helping people who are trying to get their rights protected inside the state mental health system. Hello, Kathy. Hi, Todd. How are you? Nice to have you back. It's always nice to be invited back. What are the torturesome things you've had to deal with over the past week? Anything you want to share with us? Um, well, I think in some ways it's just, uh, you know, getting into the full swing of the legislative session and, you know, figuring out the various coalitions, what our agendas uh, will be, what we will be asking the legislature to do. Um, you know, policy-wise, thinking about what the budget might look like and what kind of budget uh, policy we want to see. And then, you know, waiting to see what happens before June 7th when it all closes down. Is there, uh, do you have any sense of the first part yet of, of what's coming down the pike? Uh, well, I know the sort of things that our organization is looking for and some of the other mental health uh, advocacy organizations are looking for, you know, stuff that we're doing in terms of, you know, protecting tenants. I think, you know, making sure that everybody has access to health care uh, by having access to uh, health insurance. Um, and, you know, for our folks really looking at the processes of the Psychiatric Security Review Board, um, and whether there needs to be some uh, reform of that. So, so we, we shall see. Um, all right. Is there anything in there you want to talk about? Because I have a more general question, if not. Um, I'm happy to answer your more general question. And I'm wondering, I hear a lot of talk about this being a difficult time, a mental health stress period, where more people are having a tougher time coping with life in general. Is that your observation, and, and, and why? That is a hard question to answer for a couple of levels, because I really think that there have been people who have been struggling with their mental health for a long time, and I'm not sure that ever got the attention it deserved. And some of the, the, the issues that we in mental health advocacy generally have been struggling with for a long time 
we just seem to be having different conversations, I think. And sometimes we're kind of talking past each other. And from my perspective, you know, the conversations I've always wanted to see about mental health during the pandemic is, you know, were we looking at, is our system doing the same thing that it always does by forcing people into it when we know that people living in those close settings are at high risk of transmitting the virus to, to, to each other? You know, were we trying to get people out of hospitals um, to protect them from the virus? Did that happen? What, how did uh, no, the did mental not. health, how did it the mental health it, system respond? It, it didn't, uh, unfortunately, it didn't change. Um, it kept operating the same way it always did. I think the, the lengths of stay have only gotten longer, at least in the state-operated system, and that's because you don't have the affordable housing with the voluntary supports and services on the other end. So people end up coming here. Um, uh, I'll just say again, the average length of stay at Connecticut Valley Hospital is three and a half years. And is that something that's grown substantially over the past three years? I actually, I think it has. I really need to request reports from back years to see how that change has grown. But I just know that there was a point in time where there was a very real effort because the Department of Justice had come in um, and was monitoring that there was a real effort to make sure that when somebody was ready to leave the hospital, that they got discharged within 90 days of their clinical teams feeling they were ready to leave. And Are you saying before cause, before COVID, the federal government was keeping an eye on the mental health system no, in the early, state of Connecticut? No, this was more like 2007, 2009-ish. Uh-huh. So, yes, that was before COVID. And they were monitoring to make sure people weren't being held too long. And and did adjustments Correct. get made in response to that? Um, well, I think while they were monitoring, yes. But once and they I, stopped, things slipped back to where they had been. Yes, that is my observation. And this thing about the federal government, or um, the state government with COVID, trying to keep everybody safe, but everybody didn't include, I'm talking about during the COVID era, the last three years, you're saying that during the COVID era, they basically kept the doors locked in state mental health facilities so that... Well, uh, here, here's what, what I would say. If you remember, uh, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things that was recognized right away is that close congregate settings put people at higher risk of transmission of the virus. And the state did a fabulous job. Um, in terms of dealing with the homeless service system. And instead of having people in those huge congregate shelters, they arranged for people to have hotel rooms where they were living by themselves, (laughs) you know, uh, where they weren't at risk of getting the virus the same way they would be if they were in a huge, more dorm-like type setting. Um, In a psychiatric hospital, when you have 20 people on a unit, and people share rooms, and those beds are sometimes closer uh, than the six feet distance, you know, and where we all thought it was like six feet of spread, but we now know it's aerosol, and, it, you know, you can be farther away and still, and still transmitting the virus. There was so much stuff we didn't know. But the fact that there were some systems that people really stood up quickly to address 
We did not see that happening at psychiatric hospitals, but that was not just a Connecticut thing. That was a worldwide thing. Well, you're also talking about the difference between an easy fix. It's easy to take homeless people and put them in a hotel room, and it it sort of works well for everybody, including the politicians. But where there's not an easy fix, like in prison or in the mental health facilities, uh, it, it worked out differently. Well, here's here's I, I would challenge you on that because I, you know, part of our argument is that we have a number of people who are still stuck in this hospital because there isn't adequate housing in the community, and people really don't need to be in the hospital. Um, you know, there was an ask for people, you know, who were, uh, you know, being held pretrial, so hadn't even been found guilty of anything um, in jails. You could have let people go. You could have put other people in, ho- in hotel rooms, too. You could have set up systems of services and supports in the community. That just didn't happen because uh, people didn't do it, and um, it, it wasn't politically expedient i guess or well, i think it, it was politically, politically oh so you're saying it was you're disagreeing with me on it being politically uh, or practically harder to do is that what you're disagreeing right. with i think it, i don't i don't see that it was you know because we're not saying let everybody go we're saying let people who don't need to be in a locked facility um you've even said that you know they're quote unquote discharge ready there, there could have been more things done. Yes, but the government has no, the government pays no attention to who's discharge ready and doesn't really have an accurate yeah. measure. So to have to make a policy decision on regarding prisons based on who they could safely let out, they have no idea. They'd be starting from scratch. I possibly. I, I, I don't work within DOC. Maybe that would have been a little more challenging for people in corrections. But I do think in terms of people who are here, many of whom, in my opinion, and granted, I, I'm not a psychiatrist, but even they will say they are no better than a 50-50 shot at guessing who will uh, be violent in the future. Um, that's, From people in the mental health system. Yeah. So, and, you know, my opinion, I think more could have been done, but, you know, it's easy for people to say I'm on the outside looking in. Um, and it's easy to kind of armchair quarterback, which perhaps it is. But We're talking to Kathy time, Flaherty. She's the executive director of a nonprofit organization, Connecticut Legal Rights Project, that uh, works to help people protect their rights inside the, the uh, mental health system of the state of Connecticut. It's interesting what you're saying, though, that you don't really, you know, you can only estimate and you have to kind of take their word for it. But I, I, I assume that they also have their own problems in the mental health system, even knowing who's dangerous and and who isn't. Because if you don't have a system designed in such a way that it's going to expedite the release of people based on their own ability to prove themselves release-worthy, then you really have no idea. Well, that part of the problem, and I, I think that I was just talking with somebody about this today, Part of the problem with the way we have our our legal system of civil commitment set up in Connecticut, in most other states in this country, there's a time limit on the civil commitment. So yes. if the state wants to deprive somebody of their freedom, they can only do it for a certain period of time. And if that time is expiring, 
they either need to go to the court and petition for more time or they need to let the person go. Connecticut system is not set up like that. And does does the result of that difference in the protocols uh, change the outcomes? Do people stay longer in the mental health system in Connecticut because it doesn't have a release date or a go back to court and prove why you need to hold this person longer date? I think so. Yeah, but do you know? Is there data? Well, to... yeah, I mean, there. The, I, I would just say look at the fact that people's average length of stay in the hospital is three and a half years. Yeah. Okay. Kathy Flaherty, hang on. We will take a break and continue on WTIC. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Thursday afternoon, I have Kathy Flaherty on, one, because I like her, two, because she works inside of government, but she's not part of government. She's a nonprofit, and she, she helps people who are inside of the mental health system in the state of Connecticut in some way, and she helps them protect their rights or get what they deserve or however you want to say that. And that gives us another insight into another piece of how government operates, and it's fun to find out. So, Kathy, thanks again for doing it. You're welcome. What else are you dealing with right now? You have a wish list, I assume, of things you want to see changed. You said at the beginning that you wanted to see certain, that you were actually working to get people inside the mental health system benefits that don't come from the mental health system. Can you explain that to us a little further? Um, I'm actually trying to remember what I said. Well, you mentioned housing and you mentioned um, health care. And those things are extraneous to your direct mission, it seems. Well, they're really not, though, Todd. And the way I really think of our mission's very big picture is really to make it possible for people living with mental health conditions to be able to participate in community life in Connecticut, which means people should get to live in whichever of the 169 cities and towns they want to live in, uh, that people have access to health care so that they can get the support and service from uh, whether it's the mental health system, physical health system that they need to be able to maintain their health, that people shouldn't face discrimination at schools or at jobs or in housing. Um, and that, you know, that's why I testify a lot. I mean, some people laugh because I think I am, you know, each year I probably submit testimony um, up there with some of the the most prolific testimony writers, but that's frankly because a lot of issues in the state of Connecticut impact CLRP's clients. So this requires that you do things that that have to do with um, working with people in those on those legislative committees or or departments of government that that have to do with services like housing that isn't isn't managed by the mental health department, right? Correct. I mean, you know, there are there are people who within Demis who work on housing, particularly who uh, you know built a working relationship with in a partnership with over the years, but it's, you're right. I mean, the, the, some of our folks get Section 8 vouchers, which are funded by the Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development, 
other people get, you know, the rental assistance program uh, vouchers that are funded through the Department of Housing. Um, you know, we have the new uh, eviction prevention fund from Unite CT that goes through the Department this of Housing. This is a test of the emergency provides, alert system. Um, this is you know, only a monetary test. Monetary help for people who are behind on their rent and are facing eviction. Um, there are, and a lot of our folks get the benefits from the Department of Social Services. Now, CLRP might not directly represent them in those disputes that they have with the Department of Social Services because that's not our specialty, but we can connect them to our colleagues at other agencies who do. And when you're looking at the big policy things, we will submit testimony, um, you know, either for or against proposals that we think will either help or harm our clients. All right, Kathy, we've got to leave it there. Appreciate your time once again. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Kathy Flaherty, Director of, Executive Director of the Connecticut Legal Rights Project, monitoring or advocating for people inside the mental health system in the state. And, I again, that just intrigues me that that's even necessary in such a big, wonderful, expensive, compassionate government. 860-522-9842. That's what got me on this path. Call the rant line, 860-751-4698. We will get ourselves at top of the news, top of the hour news update, and we will get back to the conversation coming up on WTIC. But right now, Mark Christopher is here in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 